from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. You wrote it would create, quote, a direct line of communication between the National Guard and the governor. Is that a change from what we have now? I kind of liken it to a 9-11 call. What if you had a 9-11 call and then the dispatcher at the police, instead of being able to dispatch the police directly, then had to turn around and call the mayor's office to get permission to do it? The more direct you can have your chain of command, the faster you can react to problems. I'm Sarah Fenton. Amendment 5. Shall the Missouri National Guard, currently under the Missouri Department of Public Safety, be its own department, known as the Missouri Department of National Guard, which shall be required to protect the constitutional rights and civil liberties of Missourians. The amendment has sparked very little attention, but Steve Danner, the former adjutant general of the Missouri National Guard, is on board and hopes voters approve it. Appointed by the governor in 2009, Danner served in the Guard's top position until 2019. His service included National Guard deployments during the 2011 Joplin tornado and the 2014 protests in Ferguson. General Danner, thanks so much for being here today. Sarah, I'm glad to be here and uh, um, talk about Amendment 5 with you. Great. So what's your elevator pitch for why you think Missourians should vote yes on this amendment? Well, let me let me uh, give a background to the National Guard. Sure. In the National Guard, we wear two hats. We work for the President of the United States uh, and the a- active Army or our uh, Air Force, as it were, depending upon the overseas mission, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, and our other hat is a state hat where during state emergencies, uh, you know, floods, tornadoes, etc., we would work under the auspices of the governor. So uh, 90% of, uh, or over 90%, probably closer to 98% of the Guard's money is actually federal money, and we're mostly uh, a federal-funded organization. So that's kind of the background of what we do. There's about uh, over 11,000 in the Guard right now, Army and Air Guard, and uh, we're responsible uh, for maintaining our uh, federal standards of training to be called to active duty overseas or to be prepared for an emergency here at home. Mm-hmm. And we saw that in uh, the COVID pandemic, too. I know that the National Guard got deployed to help with vaccinations. Yes, uh, exactly. So there are a myriad of uh, uh, actions that the uh, governor or the president uh, can take. Mm-hmm. So in when uh, Missouri was first formed, the National Guard was always traditionally its own department. Mm-hmm. In the Reorganization Act of 1973, uh, the uh, Guard was relegated to uh, an agency or division uh, from uh, a department because, uh, you know, and for those of us that were, uh, and I'm a Vietnam era veteran, we know that after uh, the war, etc., uh, as the Army shrank and the Guard was considered the old uh, uh, weekend warriors, etc., uh, and really not doing any uh, really much emergency or any state uh, or federal work uh, overseas, 
because of the 1945 Constitution, which limited the number of departments, uh, the Guard lost its department uh, uh, status. Mm -hmm. Well, that was fine for those days. But I'll tell you, uh, Sarah, 911 changed that because we went back to being an operational force. And as many of your listeners know, uh, there's probably not many of them that haven't had uh, a father, uh, brother, son, or a relative or neighbor that has not been uh, deployed. So the sun doesn't set on the National Guard anymore. We're all over the Middle East and uh, Africa, uh, Europe, uh, in Asia, uh, with missions, etc. So that has really changed the, the world uh, these days. So uh, the important things with the new department status would be we'd be able to cut uh, red tape because anytime you have multiple uh, departments uh, involved, it just takes you a longer time, say an emergency, for the guard to get out and, and protect the good people uh, and their property in the state of Missouri uh, from bad things. And I'm happy you mentioned that because um, in a recent op-ed in support of the amendment, you wrote it would create, quote, a direct line of communication between the National Guard and the governor. Is that a change from what we have now? Like, wouldn't the governor and the National Guard be able to communicate if they wanted to? Well, I kind of liken it to uh, a 9-11 call. What if you had a 9-11 call and then the dispatcher at the police, instead of being able to dispatch the police directly, then had to turn around and call the mayor's office to get permission to do it. So when we do have an emergency, and you have to go up through the chain of command, and uh, those uh, that have had military background understand the tighter the chain of command and the fewer people involved, and again, this is you know cutting red tape in the bureaucracy, the fewer people involved, the faster you can react. So if the adjutant general uh, can just pick up the phone and directly call the governor, but it doesn't necessarily happen that way, and it didn't happen so often sometimes that way uh, during my tenure, where you know you've got the guard and then you've got to go through the uh, public safety, and then public safety works uh, with the governor, and you have to write an executive order so the governor's lawyers are involved. Public safety's lawyers get involved. Um, it was. It's just uh, the the more direct you can have your chain of command, the faster you can react uh, to problems uh, and and save lives, etc. So that's number one. Number two, on the federal side, most of the people in the Department of Public Safety, because I'm not sure of their status, but I never knew of any of them that had top secret sensitive compartmental information, top secret SCI security clearances. There were so many times when I could not talk to anyone in the Department of Public Safety because they didn't have the proper security credentials for me to pass on federal information. Mm -hmm. And I can't, I can't be exact with you, but I'll just say it would have to do with, say, with our troops in Iraq or Afghanistan that I knew certain troop movements were being made or a certain attack was being made, uh, uh, then I could alert the governor, mm-hmm. etc. And I think there's not a governor in any of the 48 states that do it this way. We're an oddball state that we don't 
do it this way. But I can't imagine any of the governors in any of the 48 states not wanting to know exactly what's happening to their troops Mm -hmm. in the field. And so the bill that successfully placed this question on the ballot was passed with nearly unanimous support this summer, with just two House representatives voting against it. One of those votes, St. Louis Democratic Representative Peter Meredith talked to producer Danny Wintentowski on Thursday, and he explained his opposition to both the bill and now the amendment on next week's ballot. I hate to be alarmist. I hate to be hyperbolic. But the trouble is in this political climate, when I don't have an explanation of what's happening, I start to ask questions about what might the reason be that they're not telling me. And this one raises a lot of red flags for me. And that main red flag It's not about the National Guard having its own department. I don't think that's a particularly big deal one way or the other. It's about this language that would go in the Constitution with it that says that the duty of the National Guard is to protect the constitutional rights and civil liberties of Missourians. Now, when I read that, I thought, that doesn't sound like the National Guard's role. So I looked up the National Guard's mission currently, their state and federal mission, and both focus exclusively on responding to emergencies. So it feels like a pretty big departure to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, General Danner Representative Meredith made a point about the National Guard mission statement. And like he indicated, the Missouri National Guard's mission statement on its website doesn't say anything about protecting the Constitution or civil rights, but focuses disaster response and being prepared in case of war. Does Representative Meredith, Meredith have a legitimate concern? Well, uh, I I respect his thoughts, and and here's really the answer to it. When you join the Guard or the Army, and all the veterans out there will recognize this, uh, you know, we we swear allegiance not to the governor and and not to the president. We swear allegiance to the Constitution, and we swear to uphold and uh, protect the Constitution. The Guard being in, in the U.S. Constitution, the militia, uh, and in the Missouri Constitution, we are the only state entity that's mentioned in the early articles of either the U.S. Constitution or the state constitution. And in those Article One, uh, in those early articles, that's exactly where your Bill of Rights uh, are attached to, where your uh, personal rights and protections are, uh, etc. So it's always been a given that that's been our job uh, as uh, as an active uh, force, an active army, or as a uh, Missouri National Guard was to protect the good people of the state of Missouri from bad things. And so it's um, uh, a little bit incongruous to me to think that anyone would think that way. And but but that's really the answer. And I think that. In this day of uh, partisanship, when you see that of 163 representatives, only two voted no, uh, and it was unanimous, uh, 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 I think, in the Senate, uh, I I don't know how else to say it, but a lot of smart people in the General Assembly took a hard look at this and almost unanimously passed it. Mm -hmm. But we do protect people's rights and civil liberties, etc., I mean, that's why I joined in the first place uh, when I was 18 years old, uh, just out of high school. 
Mm-hmm. And I will add the current adjutant general of the Missouri National Guard, Levon Compton, is also backing the amendment and in a statement said the change would ensure, quote, the governor receives critical military advice and requires the guard to protect the constitutional rights and civil liberties of Missourians. General Danner, thank you so much for being here with us today. Sarah, I appreciate it. I appreciate your interest in this very important topic. This episode was produced by Danny Wisentowski. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.